The following episode of Humble and Fred is brought to you by GigSky, the Retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan, Bodog, HealthGage, Canicabana, Doer, and our newest sponsor, GoDaddy, powering small business and entrepreneurs for over 25 years and serving over 20 million customers worldwide. And now, here are two men who have a combined 80 years of broadcast experience and are still trying to figure it out. It's Humble and Fred. I needed love, most of all, most of all. Happy day, everyone. Happy, happy day. Happy day to each and all. And welcome to another Humble and Fred show. Two more before Humble and Fred go on the road. Unprecedented in our history. We've never done this. One of us have been away before, but not both of us. Yes, but we will still be doing the show. Only seven shows in February for uh, those who want the detail. We're just being up front. That's the deal. Well, because we're working two weeks, but one of those weeks is family day. And we love our families. Uh, so family day. We will not be working because we respect that day, and that is, of course, why you'll only have. So two weeks of us will be just hanging out, and there'll be two weeks. The middle two weeks of February, we will broadcast from our locations. Good for you. Good for your family. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I don't know why I did that voice, but now that you have, it seems to make it legitimate. No. uh, (laughs) Again, that's just another story of uh, broadcast media cultural uh, evolution you know we had that character howard chan on our show back in the uh, 90s and he used to come on and what an italian guy right he's still one of my best he's, I, I talked to, he's, i still talk to him but you know he so doesn't an, do that voice anymore <laughs> so, <laughs> an italian guy would come on and do uh, uh a chinese guy asian guy whatever and uh it was a popular character. Nobody had a word to say about <laughs> no, it. No, I know. Char- and by the way, the character's name was Howard Chan, and it's based on somebody my buddy worked with. All right. My friend's in the, not in radio, he's in like the furniture business. Mm-hmm. And he used to talk like that to me, and I'd say, who's that? And he'd say, it's a guy I work with, Howard Chan. The weird thing is, we had that character who was an Italian guy pretending he was Chinese, <laughs> and then we had a Chinese guy pretending what? I don't know. <laughs> For 10 years, we had a Chinese guy. I don't know what he was pretending to be. <laughs> anyway, welcome, everyone. Uh, pretty interesting show today. We got, we're going to get to some of your emails. There's lots to discuss. Uh, today's guest is a uh, an inspiring ice sledge hockey goalie and motivational speaker. And I was reading about Paul Rosen. You know, a lot of times you think about people that are amputees as having been born that way. I don't know why I think that, but some, I sometimes go to that as an image like, oh, that's too bad. They had some trouble as a, as a kid or whatever. But in this case... He wasn't wasn't an amputee until age 39. So that'll be an interesting story. Yeah, you got some. Yeah. He was injured during a hockey game as a youth. The resulting damage, infections, and pain led that pain to his leg. Plagued him for years. Anyway, let him tell the story. But at 39. That's the most. That's so intriguing to me that an injury in Canada. 
you know, uh, like a leg injury during a hockey game could lead to amputation. But you years later. Poss- yeah, you wouldn't think that possible. I, I, well, that's why this will yeah. be an interesting story. Yeah. Also, as always, uh, great information from the retirement Sherpa, Dan Duran's news. All kinds of stuff. Do you want to start? I know you had three or four stories, and but should we start with some of these emails and let's just blitz through them? All right. Because all the nice people. Hi, guys. Hi, guys. Hi, guys. You can email us, by the way, even though we're not going to be here. Humble and Fred at humbleandfredradio.com. Yes, the first one. This is an email, more or less, from uh, my brother-in-law, Clyde. Who's a, you know, he would be a Hundy P. Like, not only does he listen every day, Howard, he's come to our some of our Christmas parties with his son, Brandon. You know, forget that he's my brother-in-law. He's a fan. Right? Yeah, I, I'm just listening. I, I love Clyde. I, I, I need your endorsement. Yes, he's, a, he's your brother-in-law <laughs> and a fan. You know, know what? Anyway, I respect, how, I respect yeah. him. You know, Howie and I have this obsession with age, about getting old, and, you know, how the, uh, the calendar is flipping uh, too fast for our likings. That's right. Anyway, Clyde is amused by that. He's like 66 or maybe 67 now. Anyway, he sent this thing that said, when you realize that 1970 and 2022 are as far apart as 1970 and 1918. I'm just going to need a minute. That's what this thing says. And when you put that perspective on it, it's just like wacky. Like, it really is. Well, I, 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 I can't remember if you and I were talking about this. I know we've spoken about this recently in another form. But I was thinking about I was born in 1960. Mm-hmm. And I'm 62 now. So think about 62 years before I was born was the 1800s. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And we see... The 1800s, my friend. Think about that. Yeah. Like in 1970, I would have been 14 years old. I was 10. Like, yeah. Like I was running around feeling girls' boobies and stuff at that time. Oh, that's great. And going to high school. Did did you also put on a Chinese accent when you did? (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, I was, uh, you know... You know, looking forward to adulthood in 1970, and yeah, 1918 was the was the same distance that we're sitting here now. It's just, uh, yeah, it's crazy. 1970, I was 10 years old, hadn't discovered, uh, you know, dirty feelings in my crotch area, still running around, <laughs> uh, still just running on. I think I, my recollection of a lot of my childhood mm-hmm. prior to puberty is I just ran all the time. I was just always running. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just I see kids right. now. I know. Especially, you know, sort of younger boy kids. Like they just like I watch these kids play soccer in this park near our mm-hmm. house here and the young guys they just run all the time. <laughs> like it Try seems exhausting. <laughs> Try that now. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, thank you very much, Clyde. And I, I think the world of Clyde. I think it's interesting that you know your brother-in-law is a super fan. My brother Steve is a super yes. fan. Steve's mm-hmm. the every morning he goes on Facebook and he supports us. Mm-hmm. Stephen really thinks the world of us, not just me. He thinks the world of the show. He tells everybody 
I'm just telling you the truth. He tells everybody he thinks this is the best show in Canada. He's told me this several times. And it's not just because it's Howard, his little brother. He's very, very supportive of us and complimentary. Complimentary. <laughs> okay. Complimentary. It's complimentary. Um, the next one's about the uh, Karen convoy. Uh, thanks from uh, Dave Ryan. We're going to get into it later, but he just sends us a note, says, I love you guys, and the show really makes my day every day. Thank you. I wanted to get to Mike uh, Schuster, who's a frequent contributor. He's an aviation uh, brother of mine. Uh, he says, hi, fellas. I had to offer this correction to Howard's statement that our Constitution doesn't guarantee free speech, such as the U.S. First Amendment. In fact, he says, it does. And then he goes on to cite, the Constitution Act Part 1, where everyone has the following fundamental th- uh, freedoms, and he outlines them. Freedom of conscience and religion, freedom of thought, belief, opinion, and expression, including freedom of the press and other media of communication. So, uh, and then he says, enjoy your upcoming vacations. Work vacations, Mike, work, okay? It's not all playing around. I know. I'm embarrassed for you that you didn't know more about the Constitution, actually. <laughs> but that's fine. You know, I, I'm pretty sure you probably spend most like, of your day. I, I'm pretty sure you probably me. spend most of your day going, I'm kind of embarrassed by what he said. You're going to tell me that you didn't know of a Constitution Act Part 1, 1982? Come I know. On. It's crazy. Jesus Christ, Howard. <laughs> Are you even from this country? Hi, guys. Hi, guys. Hi, guys. Uh, next up is Jeremy Long, who's been uh, corresponding with us back and forth. And Jeremy pops in with this. Yeah. Um, you know, I've uh, been referencing Jeremy because he sent us uh, an email questioning our position on the uh, convoys, the so-called freedom uh, convoys, and then we responded on the podcast, and he's back at us with, thank you for reading my email. Uh, last thing I'm going to say on this, I think if the hospitals and lack of health care workers is the issue, we should focus on fixing that. Well, amen, of course. Uh, I guess I'm just fed up with all that's going on and just dealing with it in a different way. Everybody love everybody, uh, <laughs> uh, says Jeremy. That was from the uh, thing, a story I had about how they're yelling this thing, this new thing they're yelling mm-hmm. in golf. Mm-hmm. Everybody love everybody, mm-hmm. which is a great way to sign off. Yeah. Everybody hey. love everybody. So if pandemics and this virus, we're going to live with it for the rest of our lives. I'm quite serious about this. You know, those those portable big tents they have that you saw in New York that became sort of emergency uh, hospitals triage triage, center, yeah, yeah. emergency yeah. why you know once this dies down why can't funds be put towards that so they're kept somewhere so the next time it comes up or we have an issue those can be quickly erected um you know furnished or whatever or equipped and then maybe now start recruiting um retired nurses and on standby like w- yeah. we need that type of contingency plan now if it's if this is never going away. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, I do. Like, start working on it. Okay. Just just do it. All right. Christ. So easy. <laughs> All like, right. Figure it out. Why don't you, uh, you know, why don't you leave your Brampton cave and just organize it yourself? Get on a committee. <clears throat> volunteer for something. Okay. Okay. Hi, guys. <laughs> okay. Hi, guys. I will. Hi, guys. Uh, this, there's a, there's a double banger here. From uh, Mike Hannafin. I'll read the first one because the second one is about you. He says, hi, Jens. Watched and listened to Monday. 
Monday show and then heard the reaction Tuesday. You were on point as usual. I actually thought Tony Clement was far too lenient about his what about what is clearly an occupation. Everyone's talking about this. He says, I have friends living in downtown central Ottawa in healthcare and government who say it was like a war zone with anyone walking home wearing a mask or giving these assholes a side eye get swarmed and harassed. And yet police have completely stood down and are tiptoeing around, not wanting to upset these criminals. Then someone remembered this story from Ottawa from 2016, and it was a, a link to a story uh, that says NCC shuts down kids lemonade stand. Uh, anyway, I'm not going to read that story, but mm-hmm. I want to acknowledge that Mike has sent that note. You know, and there's a lot of emotion around this trucker convoy, and there's lots of people that aren't doofuses that are involved in it that feel very passionately passionately about it. But we and we before we move on to Mike's other note, just referencing something Jeremy said. Oh, okay. Well, combining the two, right? Okay. There's no doubt that we're all frustrated. That a lot of people are very, very upset and they've reached their end point. Now, you and I, and we've made this point many times, this hasn't really affected us like it has affected, like it's affected a lot of people. To be honest with you, people that we can't really relate to. My family's fine. Your family's fine. But out there in the world are a lot of people who are not fine. And it's easy for those of us that are sort of okay to look down our noses at the people that aren't. And I'm not saying that everything that happened uh, was legitimate, but a lot of those people were frustrated that aren't anti-Semites, you know, Nazi sympathy. You know what I mean? Like, it's easy to look at that crowd and just paint them all with one kind of opinion. But I think there's a real feeling now as we enter the third year of this of a, a cultural frustration slash fatigue comments. Uh, I think you're being very lenient in this case with these people. You know, this is these aren't truckers that have been fully vaxxed and can't get across the border. They are unvaxxed people. This isn't like a restaurant worker who's had both their vaxes and their booster and their doors are shut because they cannot work. That's frustration. The frustration of these people can be easily fixed by getting a vaccine. So that's that's my problem here. And again, I saw more interviews yesterday. It's all about this freedom, and I shouldn't be forced to put something in my body. That's all. All the interviews I heard. No, I, I, so I, I, I'm not saying those yeah. people. I'm, I yeah. obviously that's not what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. I'm just talking about a like Jeremy's, and, and, and I've I was going to play you some yeah. audio. I'm not mm-hmm. sure what I'm going to do it now. But there, I have some audio. I'm just a, it's just everyone's frustrated. And yes, get vaccinated. Obviously, that's the solution, mm-hmm. and you can move about freely. But I just think even regular folk oh, are reaching their be- have reached their best before date. Mm-hmm. And I yep. think some of the people, like there are people that supported this truck convoy that are just regular folks, giving food, helping them out along the way. Like I said, it's easy for us to just sort of paint everything as, well, get vaccinated, you idiots. But I've, I've been reading the last couple of days about the folks along the way, just regular Canadians who are vaccinated, who are sympathizing with a, a group of people 
that are frustrated. And again, how that spills into anti-Semitism and yelling at brown people and go back to your country comments. And I, I get it. I was just pointing out that you can yeah. you can see it in Jeremy's emails. And you can you can see it on the uh, on the internet. There are some very very frustrated people out there. And you want to talk about frustrating? I heard a news conference yesterday with Doug Ford and uh, Christine Elliott, and sometimes the media it's just it's just unbelievable. It's you know these people are pulverized for instituting these measures and putting people out of work, and now they're being criticized for relaxing the restrictions like you cannot win no like some of the questions there was this guy from uh, 680 news yesterday i forget exactly what his name is but honestly i want to jump through the radio at the guy he's asking questions that obviously have no fucking answers they don't have a crystal ball they don't know what's coming two months down the road you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and we're all we're all vulnerable that way and then I, more frustration. You're t- they released that modeling yesterday, and they're saying, oh, be prepared, everybody. You know, as soon as we relax a bit, those numbers are going to pop up again. And just mm-hmm. more fear and more negativity. And What, you mean more fear and negativity from the government? No, for, no, for, 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 for all of us. You know what I mean? Yeah. But and you and just said like, they, they have no control over it. If they have a right. model that says things are going to get worse if we relax the... Yeah, I, but I think there's a we, we're, we're sort of and I'm I'm curious. Tell me why this jurisdiction jurisdiction of North America. Yes. Is the one that gets most restricted because they've got the same populations in half a dozen American cities and it's open for. Of course, it's frustrating. Yeah. No, I, I get it. And when I was listening to it yesterday and I thought, well, of course, they have to. They have to be honest with us and release those numbers. But again, I'm driving along thinking, oh, we're on the other side of this. And then all of a sudden I'm hearing the report and it's almost like I'm sinking again as they're predicting, you know, this, uh, you know, we could uh, find ourselves in the same situation when things are being relaxed. And then I watch a goddamn hockey game last night or part of it from New Jersey. And, this, you know, the stands are full and. People are cheering, and they show the concourse, and people are at the snack bars. And you mean they they they're doing a better job in New Jersey than we are in Ontario? Yeah, like, maybe. Uh, I mean, they've like, already they've reopened their kissing booths, and uh, <laughs> you know, in America, it's like not only do they not have a virus, they're like uh, step right up to have your eyeballs licked. Yeah, but but I was going to say all the all the Scandinavian com- uh, countries uh, today are lifting their restrictions. But, but you said something I thought was very interesting a second ago. You didn't even just on as you were making your point. You said you know you were thinking we're on the other side of this. That's just wishful thinking that we're on the other side of it, and it's what we all want. And then when they come out with, well, these are some of the more you know, it's almost sobering to think like, are we going to have to be? patient again and that's mm-hmm. why i'm trying to make the point that yeah a, a, a large part of this trucker convoy is just nonsense in fact you know it really isn't the majority of truckers as we've all heard that majority of the union is vaccinated and they're going along with but there's a there's beside the truckers there was just an outpouring of canadians frustrated in a way that we haven't seen I don't remember the entire country being galvanized by something like this. And not everyone thinks 
that these guys are, are on the wrong side of the issue is what I'm saying. And a lot of people think they're on the right side. Yeah. Whatever that issue is. Like, I don't know well, that these guys thought they were going to get the prime minister to resign. Okay, that was dumb. Well, Howard, even yesterday, while they're playing road hockey in front of stores that have been forced to close yeah, because of the convoy, you, they talk about freedom. They've taken, you know, freedom away from shopkeepers and, and, yep. and businesses in the downtown core. They don't give a shit about them now because of their problem with the government. So they're doing to others. Uh, to uh, what they think the government is doing to them. But now, yesterday, from the streets of Ottawa, where they're going, we're not leaving here until all restrictions are lifted across Canada. Well, now we've lost the focus. This started out as a, a vaccination thing with truckers going across the border, and now they're not leaving till there's all restrictions. That leaves the impression with me, they're sort of enjoying this. They oh, think of course. Yeah, and, they, and, think it's, they think it's funny, and now they're, they're throwing that out there because that's ridiculous. And Kim, before anyone thinks that I don't think that's ridiculous, yeah. I just pay attention to what I said. Mm-hmm. No, I know. Not you, but I'm just saying before, you know, well, you, you think blah, blah, blah. No, I think all of that's ridiculous. And the fact that they're, they're not leaving Ottawa and now they're coming back. Now they're going to apparently be here this weekend again. I totally yeah. get that. That's all bullshit. And the fact that they've gone, they've conflated. I love that word. They've mm-hmm. conflated the issue at the border and cross-border trucker mandates. And they've now said uh, restrictions and freedoms. All bullshit. My point just was. This weekend, the last seven days, this past weekend, what you can also see is Canadians along the route showing their frustration. Yes, they're using the truck convoy as a way to to let everyone. I think I think it's a bunch of people letting everyone know that this is this is hard on people. This has been hard on a lot of people. And this last week was a way for Canadians to kind of unleash a mass sort of a way to communicate frustration is all I'm saying. I'm not saying I agree with it. I'm just saying that those two emails reminded me that there's a lot of there's a lot of people suffering these last 25 months, 24 months. A lot of people. And you're right. We've escaped it. Yeah. You know, my son got screwed through this, although he's on a on the comeback trail now my niece's husband who works in the restaurant business has been in and out and shut down and got vaxxed did his part you know? same with my my one yeah. daughter you know was on a career path that you know who knows where she would have gone had she been able to stay where she was in in the states and then my other daughter got out of school as the pandemic started and basically sat around frustrated and doing nothing for over a year Mm -hmm. i mean but when i say that we've been relatively unaffected you know i'm not in a business and neither are you that has been shut down and having to you know rely on government such i i I guess all i'm saying is the 90 percent of of all that went on this weekend was nonsense but there's a no, whatever percent but a lot of it is oh. is a lot of it on the way where we're just regular canadians forget the mm-hmm. woman who will shut her facebook down you know what i mean there's just a bunch of folks in manitoba and saskatchewan as this thing went by were, were able to express how frustrated they have felt now maybe it's misplaced frustration you know i think our government's done a pretty good job well they've done what they can and right the only criticism of our government and it's not really a criticism is that they've leaned heavily on science 
as Doug Ford said yesterday, and say what you want about Doug Ford, but I felt for him because I know he said, you know, I want this to be over. I want this. I want to be on the other side of this. But the thing is, we can't get there unless we do this properly. And properly is to listen to the scientists. And when they come back with all this doom and gloom and negativity, which they've got to report because that's what the modeling says, how do you blame Doug Ford? How do you blame Justin Trudeau? Well, the only it, blame is what? What are they supposed to say? Oh, fuck the scientists, like no, they have down in the states. Well, like, you blame it's easy yeah. if you're in the yeah. you're a conservative supporter, you think Trudeau's an idiot, and if you're a liberal, you think Doug Ford's a moron. But I just yeah. get back to that happened yesterday, and you watched a hockey game last night from a place that's not that far from here, relatively speaking, you know, and. And you're a Canadian. You're like, wait a second. We can't go to a hockey game in New Jersey. They, you know, and I know it's weird. Both of us are going to spend the next month in America. And I'm just curious to to see what that feels like. And yeah. I'm, I'm telling you right now, I'm still wearing a mask indoors. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to any mass gatherings. Mm-hmm. See, and that's some of the reports out of Ottawa yesterday, too. People being mocked and harassed for wearing masks. Or these guys, as we said yesterday, going into the malls without masks on, almost like baiting people. And I'm sorry, that's not all of them, but enough of them that that's the feel you're getting from there. Plus, I think through the weekend, you're right, a lot of sympathizers were there, good, decent people. But once they saw what was coming down, they got out. It was like... Yeah, and again, I don't know how many times I have to say, don't get me wrong, those guys are assholes. Yes, I'm thinking. I'm not even thinking so much of the people that came to Ottawa. What Mm -hmm. I've been seeing, though, is the stories of people across the country that Mm -hmm. were coming out with food and, you know, showing support, just the way Canadians would. You know, guys driving through their town, they come out with uh, some sandwiches. I know it sounds hokey, but it does show you that this was sort of an opportunity for people in Canada en masse to sort of display this, whatever, outpouring of frustration that I think a lot of us have bottled up the last 23 months. I'll just quickly tell you about a conversation I had with my son. Danny's been down for the past couple of weeks, what, two and a half weeks down in Southern California, Long Beach area. He's working with TFC, our soccer club. And you talk about frustration. He said down there, it's sort of like he thinks it should be here. Everybody's mindful in Southern California, but everything's opened. But there's a respect with masks. Sometimes yes, sometimes no. And, you know, their numbers apparently have been holding steady. And he was saying to me, he's coming home today, actually, tonight, and he said it's just going to be weird going from that environment where there's some sense of freedom and logic. Now he's going to be dropped into this situation again. And that, you know, the situation that robbed him of a lot of work over the past year and a bit. And I get that, too. I think when you and I return, you know, we'll be another restriction lift will be on February 14th and then another one on March. So when we return, we'll only be a week or so away from maybe everything being lifted. So we have that to look forward to. But to work in that environment, and have to come back to this is, uh, I mean, forget the weather. <laughs> No, I know. It's frustrating. So there's frustration, too. But I think we've had more in common with a lot of European jurisdictions than we did with the Americans. Because I was in Italy. It was almost a carbon copy of of what we had going on here at the time, which was in the fall uh, of last year. It was still all about Delta. And when I got home is when the Omicron sort of started to spread. Uh, Anyway, let's uh, thanks, everyone, for... uh, 
for emailing us. Do you want to? We'll do that last. Tell you what, let me do this first, and then we'll come back right. and do one more email from Mike Hanavan. It's pretty funny. Uh, but first, let's talk about our friends at a fine little place called GoDaddy. Yeah, man. What are you doing? Huh? What are you doing with your small business? If you want to power it, like a lot of entrepreneurs and small business people have for over 25 years, GoDaddy services over 20 million customers. GoDaddy is where people come to get a domain, create a website, and everything else you need to get your business online. There's no better time than now to get your ideas going. With GoDaddy, you can find your domain, easily create your website, and finally bring it to life. With GoDaddy's free and friendly 24-7 phone support, they're also here to help you every step of the way. You can even start your website for free with GoDaddy. No credit cards required. Visit GoDaddy.ca to learn more. Hey, everybody. If you have a small business, uh, guess what? It's possible to have a benefits package for your people. Go to chamberplan.ca today. There's a badge there. It says get a free quote, and that way you get a free quote. Canada's number one group's benefits plan for small business in Canada. Uh, You know, it's service top to bottom. It really is. Uh, They have all these programs that are of quality because 30,000 Canadian businesses have gotten together to create the image of a large company and this allows them to purchase coverages that are fantastic even for your small business you know a couple of people 10 people 20 people up to 100 it's going to work for you go to chamberplan.ca today again read the testimonials other small businesses uh, what it's done for them it really is remarkable they've been around 40 years so it's solid as a rock they've done a great job of keeping premiums down and you know any questions you have have any problems you might have they're so easy to communicate with it really is a fabulous system chamberplan.ca yeah we'll just uh, close out the emails this will be the last time i guess uh until we go to california um or and uh, you're going to florida so hi guys let's clean hi these guys. up and then of course hi we'll guys. have new stuff uh, new emails in a couple of weeks uh, yeah. You can get a hold of us, Humble and Fred, at humbleandfredradio.com. This is Mike Hannafin, who used to work at CFNY back in the 80s. Uh, he says, if you don't mind sitting beside a lamb, uh, referencing uh, something I said yesterday when you and Dan Duran were talking about cheap airlines in Canada and how cheap they can be. And then I came out with the, uh, uh, the humorous little aside, yeah, if you don't mind sitting beside <laughs> oh, a lamb. Yeah. And everyone seemed to enjoy that. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed it. Anyway, Hannah I enjoy says, a lot I, of things you say. <laughs> says, likewise, um, Hanovan says I just about spit up my cereal. But here's some uh, good information. By the way, I booked flights a few weeks ago. Uh, uh, something to Toronto. What's YVR? I don't even know. I think Would it's Vancouver. Be Vancouver. Yeah. yeah. Uh, May 28th, June 2nd, WestJet for 184 bucks return all in. No check bag. I, I do the carry-on thing. The discount airlines have a charge for carry-on bags, but my biggest hesitation with any of them, Flair is another, is what happens when flights are delayed or cancels, uh, canceled. Lots of horror stories. Anyway, thanks for making me laugh. Mm, thank you, Michael, for the contribution. So I was talking about this airline out of Calgary, and the prices were pretty similar to that, basically. Mm-hmm. It was about, a, from what I recall, around, it was under $200 to go to Van, from Vancouver to Toronto. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, I don't know about the WestJet flights. I love WestJet. I think they do a great job. But I do don't they know. still have comics in the aisles during the flights? Yeah. That's what I'm going to be. I'm hoping to get on with a few of the. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, the, the difference between WestJet and a low cost fare and this other, whether it's Flair or Lynx, is what I think Mike makes a good point. Like if you miss your flight or something gets delayed, there ain't a whole lot of backup when you only have four or five routes. Uh, let's finish this out with um, Hi guys. Hi guys. one last one Hi from guys. Rob Westerhoff, whose subject line, another spoiler, because uh, we've been giving away the ending to several shows, you know, because, you know, we're old and we don't care. Rob says another spoiler. So now he says, now I know aliens are real. Thanks a lot, guys. As I was talking yesterday about the reality that aliens are among us. Uh, but that's that. Thank you again to everybody. Um, I did want to, you know, the whole thing started with Clyde, your brother-in-law's point about the passage of time when you realize, you know, in the 1970s were the same, you know, years mm-hmm. apart from now as 1970 to 1918. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I wrote down, and I just want to mention Spencer, my daughter, my child, was born on this day 24 years ago. <laughs> I remember it like you do a lot of these things. I remember it so clearly. I remember that after she was born, I went to get Charlie, and I was emotional when the baby was born, but I don't know if you remember this. I was more emotional. I think it hit me when I brought Charlie in to see Spencer for the first time. Do you remember that? When Melanie brought Melanie or Melanie saw Danny for the first time, your two kids. Yes. But I recall going into Charlie's school to go get her, to bring her back to the hospital. My memory of of that and then walking into the room with Randy holding the baby. And I don't know, that's the thing. that, And the reason I I bring the, the time difference is that Spencer and I are the same age difference as my dad and I. 38 mm. years. Mm. So, <laughs> you know, as much as I sometimes think, okay, if I make it to 84, let's say that'll be 2044. But I also think, so I was 46 when my father passed away, 38 years older than me. So basically, <laughs> you know, if Spencer gets to 46, I'll get to the same age as my dad was. Wow. Yeah. I mean, you can... (laughs) Do you think we tend to overthink this? (laughs) (laughs) Well, it is just... What else we got to think about? Should I tell you a story about my dribbly pee? Yeah. (laughs) Anyhow, it's my daughter's birthday. That's why I brought that up and that I always... Again, because her... Because their age and my age are the same as my dad and I. So she's 24 today. And uh, that's it. Well, happy birthday, Spenny. 24. Jeez. You know, you talk about first meeting Melanie when she was seven, and now she's 39. And I remember when Charlie was born and when Spencer was born. And now Spencer, that's 24, year, 24 years ago in the bat of an eye. Yeah. Just crazy. Yeah. It's a lot to take in. It's a lot to take in. You know, some things I think about, too. Here we go again. Points in my life when I think my dad's reaction or my mom's and what they were doing at the time. And then I do the math and I think they were only like 38 or 39 years old. 
but I, they were your parents. They were the old people. And now when you think of how young that is. Yeah. Like when you're a kid around the house and you're first getting, you know, the rules of the house and the discipline and the grounding or whatever those things are. Your parents were relative. Well, they were kids. They were kids. <laughs> they were kids. They weren't even 40 yet. And now, like my, Melanie's 39 and she's my kid. And I just, it's not, that's not old. But your image of your parents at that time are these old people. Yeah, when my dad was giving me shit, you know, for any variety of things, he was an older dad at the time. He was, yeah. by the time I was eight, he was 44, but 44 isn't even that old. But I'll tell you, oh, sometimes I'll be able one years ago. Say again? That's me 21 years ago. It's you 18, whatever years ago. Yeah. More, more years. Um, oh, when okay, I see, <laughs> I'm the same way. When I see a young family, and I'm not even talking about two kids. When I see, when I'm downtown, I'll see a young couple with their baby. I can't believe how young they look. And I, and I think, well, I was 34 when my first kid was born. 34? How could I have had a kid? I remember Earl Veal, this guy we used to work with, had to show me how to hook up the baby seat. Mm-hmm. Like, I was just a kid. And Howard. Yeah. Yeah. It's what? Crazy. What happened? No, I yeah. Nothing. I go, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm agreeing. Yeah. <laughs> what anyway, we got other stuff to talk about. Um Mark Jordan has a new podcast. Remember him? Mark Jordan, mm-hmm. Marina Del Rey, I saw that. Good for him. I think that'll be interesting. If you're looking if you're a music fan in Canada, you remember Mark's been on our program. And now Mark Jordan's it's called Mark Jordan Singer, Songwriter, Hitmaker, Producer. Well, that can't be the name of the podcast, is it? Anyway, you can check him out if you're a podcast fan. You might you're looking for something new. Yeah, that would be interesting. It would be. Yeah, I would give that a listen to hear the spin. Mm-hmm. It's just in something other than a new comedian has a podcast. There's, mm-hmm. Seems like. And by the way, that cat. I sent you a read it when you're away, but there's a. Really interesting study that I was handed to by some of the agency people I know in the mm-hmm. podcast world that basically talked about radio listening, talked about podcast habits. But the takeaway that I got, the, one of the first things I saw was how much time people are spending listening to podcasts and oh. what age they are. Oh, it's crazy. What's really crazy is I would have thought the age of podcast listeners was on the older end. It's not. It's actually and that's and this and this should huh? freak. Yes, it should freak. You, th- you thought on the older end. I thought that podcast listening, the growth would have come from some of the older end. Oh, I see. Oh, the growth. Yes, the oh, growth. Absolutely. I thought. Oh, it yeah. has to have because older mm-hmm. people would have caught on. That's what I thought. But it turns out I was wrong. In actual fact, the huge growth in podcast listening. Two things. Younger people, like 25, 34, 18, 34. The other takeaway is how long people will listen to mm-hmm. a podcast. It's crazy. How many well, hours they'll listen to it. I think that's another indication, that age group. It's that, uh, you know, uh, radio is just vacant for those people. Yeah, man. You know, so much of the personality has been taken out and the creativity has been taken out. And that's what they demand. They're getting it through podcasts. You know, and I hate to be the old guy again, but, you know, the the style of radio 
now does not touch what it was in the 70s and 80s as far as investment and creativity and talent. It just isn't for whatever reason. And that is I'm not criticizing that. It's just the reality. And why wouldn't podcasts take over in that in that age group? Yeah. And but also not only the not only in this thing where podcast listeners younger than I would have thought, but the hours they'll spend. Mm-hmm. One of the questions was asked: What's the uh, the optimum mm-hmm. length of a podcast? And it was over an hour. Yeah. Well. <laughs> well. Uh, is our buddy here yet? No, we're fine. We got a well. Okay, no, I was no. just going to say you I, mentioned I Mark say, Jordan. Gotta, oh, hang on a sec. Maybe they are here. Anyway, Mark Jordan, a Canadian artist, and uh, today I noticed that Fox News is all out to tack on uh, Neil Young and Joni Mitchell. Yeah, like they've gone crazy. Neil Young had uh, Neil Young said uh, had some homophobic um, comments to say back in the eighties during the uh, AIDS crisis, and Joni Mitchell was once seen in blackface. Oh yeah, they've gone crazy on this thing now. Well, you know, you can always count on Fox to. Find an aspect or a whatever. It's almost like they're just constantly searching the shadows. <laughs> it's, you know, they're all. You can always count on them to be on the wrong or the odd side of any argument. Mm-hmm. You know, they had the former pri- uh, prime minister, the former president, basically said to a crowd of people, "If we don't win this uh, election." Well, then, you know, you should surge the whatever, however he put it, mm-hmm. basically attack. You're, mm-hmm. you're free to attack. Mm-hmm. How that's not front front page news. And wait, oh, by the way, this other thing that they're going to go crazy on is wait till they, and they're already doing it, you know, wait till this Supreme Court nominee who Biden has said is going to be a black woman. They're already all over that. How, how yeah. bizarre that is. I don't know that strategy, why he would announce that out front. You know, let's like, take, like, we don't have time. But you know, I, I know, but yeah. let, let's talk about that because... He played right into their hands. I, I, I know, but, but it's also the right thing to do. Oh, no, 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 I know. But I much prefer whether he said nothing, and then the day he announced the nominee, it's a black woman. You know well, what I mean? Uh, maybe then, he's doing, then watch the reaction. Well, maybe he's doing that because there were some of the reaction from the right is playing into his hands. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Because it's all typical reaction. Because mm-hmm. think about it. He's forcing them to go, well, why would you do that? Mm-hmm. Uh, hey, uh, Paul Rosen, are you there? I am. Hey, Paul? Yeah, because it am. says somebody else's name. I'm just assuming it's you. You can turn your camera on. That'd be great. I'm trying to. I'm not a, I'm not a very, uh, I'm, I'm it's okay. age-wise as you guys, but I'm not a good computer guy. And for some reason, it's coming up as my girlfriend's name there. That's fine. And I hit the camera, and it's not working. Well, on the left side of the screen, you'll see something that says stop video. Just unclick it. Yeah. I have, and nothing's happening. I've right. got a line through it. Well, you know mm. what, my friend? Listen, you've gone through way worse than this, so let's get right to it. <laughs> he might not say that at the end of it. <laughs> That's right. Uh, Paul? Yeah? Can you hear us? I, I hear you perfectly. That's fine. That's all Good. that matters, because uh, the bulk of the people that are going to you know, be part of this aren't watching it. They're just going to listen. I was saying to Fred earlier, Paul, that... You know, when sometimes I, and I could be wrong, but when I see people that have had amputations or 
or are playing uh, are in uh, the Paralympics and such. I, I for I assume wrongly, I guess at times that they're a Paralympic because a Paralympian because they lost their limbs early in life. But your story is so intriguing that you basically didn't become an amputee until much later in life. Can you just give us kind of like your origin story and, and, and we can talk about the injury that you suffered as a kid and how that ended up with you being uh, without your leg? Yeah, my story is very uh, unusual. The bulk of the guys that play at the elite level uh, in the Paralympics, especially para-ice hockey, which used to be called sled hockey, were born disabled or disabled at a young age. I didn't lose my leg till I was 39, made the team at 40, played in my first games in Salt Lake at 42, won a gold in Torino at 46, and retired at 50 in Vancouver. Now I do the games for the CBC, getting ready to do my third games at Sochi in 2014, Korea in 2018, and I'm getting ready to do uh, Beijing and with Scott Russell in 2022 in, in March. Uh, hopefully things will go well. Uh, but yeah, my story's a little crazy. I didn't really, I played hockey my whole life, didn't get into the sled until I was 40 years old, showing everybody, especially guys our age, that you can compete at the highest level at any age. Um, we were talking uh, earlier in the show. Um, explain to us how in this country a leg injury suffered during a hockey game can turn into an amputation. You wouldn't, all, you wouldn't think that. Like, what happened? Well, in 75 and, you know, 1975, you guys remember, and obviously 72 was the big mm -hmm. Canada-Russia. So sure. 75, they were, we were sending over a team to Russia, a midget team. The Don Mills Flyers ended up going. But mm -hmm. I was playing for the Thornhill Thunderbirds, uh, playing in the old uh, barn in uh, Barrie, the Dunlop Arena. It was a right winger coming around the net caught a rut in the ice, my uh, skate caught, my body turned, spiral fracture. You guys would remember, you remember Charlie Simmer with the LA Kings at the Gardens when he had that spiral fracture? Yes. Uh, similar to that, back in 75, no doctor wanted to try to get that uh, healed enough to play. Uh, and, and that was pretty well the end. My midget career ended, my uh, midget uh, injury ended my career and uh, just went on from 75 until... 97 when i got involved with the israeli hockey team uh was overseas broke my leg again uh, and needed a knee replacement knee replacement got infected pretty well geez almost 20 and change surgeries between 97 and 99 and 99 they amputated my leg and six months later i'm playing for the canadian team wow but just let's get. I, I, thank you for summarizing it. And by the way, one of our producers just sent me a note. He thinks maybe your camera is covered with something because we can see the outline of uh, the box. But if, if you can just maybe look on your computer. Yeah. No, somewhere maybe. it might be something covering it. But anyway. Uh, yeah. So you, you had the injury in 75. Later, you got it broken again. And it had always been some kind of issue a lot of pain a lot of damage infection so after the 20th surgery when you hope you're going to be did you this what i'm trying to get to and i'm not doing a very good job where along the way were you made aware that you could lose a leg was it something like and i'm going to get to the end of this question was it something like a doctor said hey paul two more in two more in um operations or paul this is the last operation just give us something like that, because I think a lot of us are couldn't put ourselves in that 
mind frame. Yeah. You know what? I had so many surgeries from uh, January of 97 until June of 99 that the doctors wanted to save my leg. It it became I had, you know, I've never blamed anybody for anything that's happened uh, in my life. I've struggled with uh, with addiction and and uh, and different things for many, many years in mental health. And I never blamed the doctors. They tried their best to save my leg. even though looking at my life, they, they wanted the leg over the life, which kind of drove me crazy at times uh, because I went healthy. And as soon as my leg came off, um, it wasn't until, guys, until I went to Israel. I call it the three craziest days of my life. I, I went to Israel through the, the guys on the team. One of the guys' mothers worked for a hospital in Asuta in Tel Aviv. On June the 8th, 99, I landed there. Uh, doctors basically said, you know, we got to take this leg off or, or you're going to die. The infection is so bad. Hmm. June the 9th, they took my leg off. And June the 10th, I was 100% healthy. So three pretty crazy days. Wait, wait. The, you, you went to Israel and they took your leg. Yep. Now, did you have to bring it back and carry on or were you able to check it? <laughs> uh, that's a good one. I like that. No, <laughs> they actually buried it in uh, in in uh, Jerusalem. Uh, mm. the, one of the guy's mothers was very religious. And I said, yeah, sure. No problem. They buried my leg in Jerusalem. I didn't care what they did with it, to be honest with you. What I, I'll tell you, you guys might get a kick out of this. The doctor, I asked him if, when he took my leg off if he could cut my pinky toe off my uh, foot. I wanted to mail it back to one of my buddies, but they wouldn't let me do it. <laughs> Give it That's to him. Funny. Okay, Paul, you're 39 when this happens. You've you had an active young life, a hockey player and everything. You wake up from the surgery and your leg's gone. What's that moment like? And is it true it still feels like the leg is there like you hear? It still feels like the leg is there now, 23 years later. I, wow. I still have phantom pain that drives me crazy some days. Uh, my ankle spins around. It's uh, yeah, it's kind of nuts. Um, but wild. you know what? I, I felt almost relieved when the leg came off because the pain was gone. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, the phantom pain is still there, but the pain of day-to-day for 20-something years, continuous pain, living in a hospital, infection, like, you know, just no life. Uh, and I had three teenage kids at the time. So, and, and and it says a lot about who you are. Yeah. Uh, that's what, interesting that you became a motivational speaker, that you're part of this, you know, as you said, you're, you know, you're, you're now one of the people that will be talking about the Paralympic Winter Games. Uh, what, when did you decide after the surgery and once you felt like you were recovered, when did you just say, I, I think I want to get involved in, you know, hockey again at the Paralympic level? Well, I didn't know anything about it, guys. I, I went to Variety Village, and I'm sure you guys know Variety Village, one of the great places in Toronto. Uh, yeah. And uh, I, I walked in there uh, as a 39-year-old Jewish guy who not a lot of Jews in the uh, elite level athletics, especially in the Paralympic uh, situation. And I met a 12-year-old boy, Shane Smith, triple amputee, uh, so excited to meet a fellow Jew. And he comes up to me and he's in his wheelchair and and he basically told me about sled hockey and, and about all the different things you could do. And, and um from that point on, it was like, wow, I, I have an opportunity to do something that can show other people that at any age you can, you know, strive for greatness and reach it. 
Well, what's interesting about that story is, is you were inspired by a 12-year-old Jewish person with the last name Smith. But that's not the, the point of the story <laughs> to me. Is I, I mean, I, we all, listen, I played hockey until I was 17 years old. I was a pretty good hockey player. You were a very good hockey player. You lose your leg, and you now have to transition to a completely different version of the game. What were your first few shifts on, a, on the ice on a sled like? Well, I'll tell you a real quick story about the uh, the first time. So I'm, I'm playing for a team called the Markham Islanders. Uh, we were not very good at all. I went in t- as a goalie. Uh, the guy said, you want to play goal? I'm thinking, I'm not a goalie. But I was a catcher in baseball. And I, back in the 70s, I loved baseball. Uh, I still to this day love it. And I was a, I saw catching in baseball. And, you know, and Menal Rion talked yesterday about some of the best goalies played Uh, baseball as catchers when they were growing up because it's a similar situation with the glove you know you're tracking the puck as opposed to letting the puck hit you and uh, so right away I I thought you know I think I can do this and our first game uh, we got just destroyed by uh, a team from Ottawa yet I had a real good game 53 shots only that one in and uh, they asked me if I wanted to try out for the for the national team at 40 years old and Paul explained back, I'll tell you, back in the 80s when I was a sportscaster, I was at Maple Leaf Gardens one day and I forget what the event was, some press conference, news conference, and there was some sludge hockey players there and they let us get in the sled yep. to get a feel for what it was all about. I'll tell you, when I watch that sport, like, I don't know how you go from like zero to an actual player who can function because that is one tough sport. <laughs> To just just master moving around like crazy that sport it's it's unbelievable and the the game has progressed so much from you know uh 2000 when i started playing till now in 2022 anybody that has the opportunity to watch especially watch the canadians the americans or the russians there's guys like you know we've got a couple of guys on the on the canadian team tyler mcgregor the captain who is just incredible brody roybal from the u.s is like world class mm-hmm. these guys these guys can do anything they want on the sled the game has progressed so much and you know uh, it reminds me of something we did uh, uh leading up to vancouver my last games wendell clark we went up to his place in King City and Wendell and I was were on the ice Wendell was just getting used to the sled I was kind of bothering him a little pushing him and knocking him over till eventually mm-hmm. he looked back at me and you know I won't tell you what he said but, uh, <laughs> he basically said don't do it one more time kid or you're in trouble and I'm older than him um, so he, he but almost right away he got the shot down and he was ripping him under the top corner so I think a, <laughs> an athlete yeah. can, can adapt to almost anything guys well, I, I was going to say, Howard, just imagine having to get from here to there on ice with only using your arms. Like, it's yeah. it's crazy. Like, it, it, like that sport, look, I, I couldn't imagine how long it would take just to be able to function at the lowest level. But as you say, if you're an athlete and upper body strength and necessity, obviously. Well, I wanted to ask you about another mm-hmm. sport is, as a comparable, because I, you're right, Fred and Paul. I've seen I've seen. Um, you guys play, not you in particular, but I've seen the sport played, and that's always what I thought. Like, you've got to have such upper body strength to propel yourself down the ice at the speed you guys are. Would you say it's comparable to wheelchair basketball in terms of, or do you think it's tougher? 
Oh, listen, I got friends on the wheelchair basketball team, so I don't want to piss them off <laughs> early in the morning. Uh, but it's very similar to wheelchair basketball, to wheelchair rugby. It's You're using your arms for everything. Yeah. I think it's tougher because it's such a low – you're down so low on the ice – and there's no give. Like when when you get hit in wheelchair rugby or even in basketball, there's the gym floor. You get hammered into the boards. Like you watch some of these guys are going full speed. They get hammered. The boards don't give. Hmm. Like the boards stop you dead like mm-hmm. cement. So I think para ice hockey <laughs> is the toughest game out there. Sometimes tougher than, you know, the, the pros uh, that play because it's a vicious game. Well, it's just another dimension. Like regular basketball, you use your feet. Regular hockey, you use skates. And, you know, one is obviously much tougher than the other. And I think you can apply that to sledge hockey, too. Like being on wheels is easier than being on those blades in in those. What do you actually call the – it's called a sledge or the the actual thing? Well, so the game was invented in Sweden back in the 50s, so it was called sledge hockey, but it's a sled. We North Americanized right. the uh, the sled right. to the sledge to sled. It's actually called para ice hockey now. We mm-hmm. don't call it as broadcasters. We don't call it uh, sled hockey or sledge hockey anymore. Everything's been settled to para basketball, para ice right, hockey. But, but I'll tell you, Paul, I'm glad Fred asked that question because I wasn't sure because I'm like, you know, we call mm-hmm. it sled and it's spelled sledge. So right. sledge is where the original name for it was. Yes, or uh, you know, invented by a rehab doctor in Sweden uh, and called sledge hockey. Okay. So uh, nowadays, a para ice hockey player would be in a sled, not a sledge, right? If That's you're in the North deal. America, they still would call it sledge in in Europe. Um, okay, well, in the, oh, okay. In the last right couple on. minutes, I, I know that there's another aspect to your story which is also fascinating that. At age 50, you had revealed you'd struggled with literacy your whole life, and you've become an ambassador for ABC Life Literacy, which I I didn't want to gloss over, but I did want to speak, Mm -hmm. if we can, in the last couple of moments. You know, a lot of people are talking about these upcoming games. Should we be there? Should Canada be part of it? Does that has that entered your world as well? Are you guys talking about that as not only as a broadcaster, but also as a former uh, athlete? You know what? I, I try to stay out of the politics of the games. Um, I, I think athletes should have the right to play. It's, it's a very uh, limited window uh in athletics, especially in, in uh, athletics for the disabled. You don't have mm-hmm. a lot of games in you. Um, so I, I think athletes should be allowed to play in as many games as they can and put the politics aside. I, I, I don't think the game should have ever been allowed in uh, in Asia back-to-back because of everything going on in the mm-hmm. world. But you know, I'm just happy that the guys get a chance to play. Okay, and let's end with a feel-good story. Tell us about how Don Cherry got your gold medal back. Yeah, that was crazy. In uh, 2006, we win the gold. Uh, first shutout in Canadian history. We beat uh, Norway 3-0. Um, you know, Kerry Price got one in 14, Shan Zabado in 10 and 14. But I got the first one ever, and they can't take the first one away. A year later at Downsview Park, we're having a uh, autograph session. Cheryl Pounder from the women's team is packing the medals up. There was, must have been about 10 of them on the table. She says, Rosie, where's your medal? I said, it's beside yours. She said, no, it's not. Uh, please, you know, go crazy. We can't find it. 
she calls Cassie Campbell, uh, who's getting ready to go on CBC. Cassie's husband, Brad Pascal, runs our team for Hockey Canada. Dawn, I was doing a bunch of things, and that night on Coach's Corner, Dawn goes, uh, "Hey, the rat who stole uh, Rosie's medal, put it in a mailbox, and uh, you know we won't uh, we won't get the police involved." And a week to the day, the police call me, thirty-two division on Ellerslie. Uh, they uh, found my medal in uh, the sorting station at uh, Eastern Avenue, and uh, the rest is history. It's all in my new book, Never Give Up, and. Uh, a lot of lot of stories in there. Uh, I'm really, really proud to uh, to have uh, played for Canada for ten years. I think it's the greatest thing in the world to play for your country, and I'm just honored to uh, to be almost 62 and still be on this earth. Yeah, Good for you. Congratulations, man. my friend. What a, a special uh, appearance. We really appreciate it. Paul Rosen, ice sledge hockey goalie, motivational speaker. All around uh, Menchie guy. Mazel toast to my friend and all the best to you. Thanks, guys. I've loved you guys for a long, long time. Oh, well, no, wait, wait, wait. We don't have wait, to. Wait, yeah, okay. yeah we, we don't have to. 20 more, 20 more minutes. Yeah, if now, you want to talk about how much you love us, we got time for that, Paul. Come on. You had no, nothing indicated you were going to spend some time talking about how beautiful we are. All right. Well, Polly, take care. We love you now, Paul. You okay? Thanks. Thanks, guys. All right, there's Paul Rosen. Just let yourself out. I'll just hit remove. And Paul Rosen, of course, what a a fantastic gig sky guest of the day, Mr. Fred. Yes, uh, gig sky. uh, You know, they're evolving with the situation. And, uh, you know, we all know it's cold outside. But if you're ready to head out to the tropics for that long-awaited getaway, you'll need a mobile data service to keep you connected while you're there. Download the GigSky app on Android or iOS, uh, iOS rather, to access affordable mobile data coverage in over 190 countries using your phone's eSIM. It's the easiest, most affordable, and convenient way to stay connected internationally, okay? Download the GigSky app today. Enter code HF2020 uh, for $5 off your first plan or visit GigSky.com for more information. That's HF2022. That has changed recently, okay? And again, the uh, Paul was our uh, Gig Sky guest of, of the day, the only worldwide mobile data service with affordable rates in over 190 countries. Download the app today. Bow, bow. You know what I think I was going to, halfway through there, I had an idea to play something else, and uh, you finished uh, too quickly. Uh, that was interesting. Yeah, you, I'm... Mm-hmm. I'm glad you asked about the uh, the pronunciation because I, I hear people say sled and then it's mm-hmm. written sledge. Anyway, here's a little music from our uh, another former Gig Sky guest of the day and some Mark Jordan, who, as we announced earlier, has his own podcast. And while you're listening to that, how about this? Humble and Fred and Doer. Doer, D-U-E-R dot C-A. Makers of the world's most comfortable pants presents the world's most comfortable contest. All you got to do is use the phrase love pants. That's right. In the comments, uh, go to our Facebook page on social, anywhere you find us, and you'll be automatically entered to win a weekly prize of a pair of pants. The world's most comfortable. And you'll be eligible for the grand prize of pants and lots of other stuff, including more pants. You can enter as many times as you want. And by the way, now might be a good time to also buy some love pants. Uh, Doer.ca, if you enter the promo code love pants, all one word, uh, you'll get 15% off at checkout. That's love pants. That lets them know that you support the humble end of Fred at doer.ca. 
Yeah, I, uh, that day I got in one of the sleds, um, and I was in my 30s. I was in not bad shape, but uh, early 30s, and oh, talk about frustrating. No. <laughs> you have those handle pick things or whatever that, uh, like, it's crazy. Uh, although, I, you know, when he said that he had never, like, I, I never played goal mm. except mm-hmm. for road hockey. Which mm-hmm. I not and I loved it. Part of it is because you know I was a pretty good baseball player, so I could catch, and mm-hmm. I always thought it was fun when, especially either taking shots or road hockey. I like to play goal, but I can tell you right now of the of the positions, and I should have said this to him, but I didn't want to be insulting. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to be insulting, mm-hmm. but of the positions on a sled hockey team or a para Olympic hockey team mm-hmm. that I think I might be able to cover off. Yes, you'd think it would be goal precisely for what you just said, because propelling yourself down the ice with your arms, having to do that and then take a pass, set a pass up, Mm -hmm. just all the the hockey stuff. I think that would be incredibly difficult. Not that playing goal would would not also be difficult. But if Mm. you were to be thrown on the ice today doing I think that one, you could at least just you wouldn't have to do as much in terms of maneuvering. And of course, Paul hears this. He's going to go You're out of your mind. Well, it's balancing, and then yeah. it's the sticks and pushing them on the ice to try and pull. Yeah, it's just, it's uh, something else, man. I, I saw a veteran of that sport. <laughs> it must be amazing to see them with a shirt off, I'll tell you. <laughs> Do you they, all like, like, they all look like Popeye. So you, you think there's like a site somewhere where you go to? <laughs> yes, we, yes, it's a sight. You know, uh, you know who, you know who. If you have a sledge hockey fetish, is this what you're saying? Yes, I have a. Sledge. That's right. Fred's, Fred's browsing history. You know, shirtless sled sledge hockey guys. Uh, I'll tell you one guy that would have a, a distinct advantage as a sled hockey player is our friend Dan Durant. Oh yeah, because if he lost, just go with me. If he lost. <laughs> One, okay. one of his limbs. He could just use the hammer to propel yeah. himself along. In, you fact, know they, in fact, they would probably, because Dan could just use it like a boat oar and like a little thing spinning in, in behind him. They would probably make you tape that thing down. I think Dan would be better in rowing. He would be. Yeah. Don't you know he'd be a coxswain and uh, he could seat eight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, good one. <laughs> you know what this is like? It's like every day I do Wordle to sort of keep my brain active. Yeah, this is what we do. <laughs> we do dick you jokes. You guys do. <laughs> we do dirtle. Dan's dick joke of the Dan's dick joke of the day. It's the dick joke. Why am I playing that now? Dan's dick joke of the day is brought to you by... Uh, all right, Daniel. Uh, uh-huh, yeah. uh-huh. What's going? This, this it's your second. Your second last day before uh, the big vacay. Is yeah. that right? Yes. Uh, yeah. I talked. So Fred, like, I talked Fred through my equipment. How I'm going to deal with the equipment? What were you going to say? Oh, I was just uh, wondering because of this little pause. You're just sort of like you know phoning it in for the next couple of days. <laughs> I'm sorry. What is? What? <laughs> I don't. Why? Just you know. There's, just because we. Now. Just because we paused. I can't. That's you. That's us phoning it in. I just did a beautiful I, interview I, with the Paralympian. I get that, and that was beautiful. Uh, that was you know great to have that. I on. made a, I made a uh-huh. carry on leg joke. I thought that was. 
That was pretty <laughs> he good, liked actually. It. He liked it. He, he did, yeah. And he's a big fan of yours. Yeah. Uh, I, I think the uh, industry term, too, is mail it in, not call it in. Phone it in. Oh, is it a mail it in? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I didn't know how he was going to take that. When, when he said that he, lied, he, he went to Israel oh. and then they chopped his leg off and he had to come home, that's the first thing I thought is like, is that a carry-on item? Sir, you're going to have to put your leg in the overhead bin. That's, you know. Look at us. You know, if, if I had to go through that and I wake up and I'm missing a leg, I just become like a fucking slob who probably doesn't move and feels sorry for myself and gets my kids to just carry me around and I, I on some level I think you'd be the same way I, I'm the, listen look what he becomes my, I, I have a tingling in my pee hole and I want to shut, <laughs> want to shut everything down isn't that a wild phenomenon though you hear about that when people have um, uh, limbs amputated they can still feel them like it's weird oh yeah he said it's like his ankle spinning and yeah he doesn't that even was weird leg. No. Wow. I, I've heard from uh, some of the women that have had sex with Dan that after it's over, they still feel his phantom limb for years to come. <laughs> Am I still phoning it in now? <laughs> really? What is it? So for future reference, is yes. it actually mailing it in? Yes. Oh, really? Well, you're so old, Dan. It's more like oh. teletyping it in. <laughs> Yeah, right. That was, you know, yeah. Stuart used to use that all the time. Hey, fellas, you can't be mailing it in. Can't be mailing it in. Yep. Oh. So, you know, we tried pretty hard most days. Uh, all right. Mm-hmm. The uh, yeah. retirement chirp is coming up. Dan Duran is here. Now, here's to a fella named Dan Duran, a hell of a guy with a hella big wang, the quintessential anchor man. His voice is nice and low. Oh. Dan the Anchorman comes As for credentials he has none Can't tell a headline from his bum But his voice is nice and low Dan Duran, the anchorman's here He's prone to falling off his chair But he's got a big wang so he don't care And his voice is nice and low My voice is nice and low Dan Duran and the Dan Duran dick joke of the day Brought to you by Canna Cabana <laughs> Canna Cabana, unbeatable prices Great weed at the lowest prices in Canada We'll tell you more about that But first to tell you more about this here is Dan in Sweden, there's a pilot litter project that is raising some eyebrows. They're turning crows into cleaners in the uh, city of, uh, well, I don't know. It's got lots of dots. So what do they call the two dots above a letter? Uh, umlets or umlets. Yeah, it's got lots of umlets and letters next to each other. It don't make any sense. Uh, it's <laughs> testing a pilot project where they're taking Caledonian crows deployed to pick up cigarette bucks and other litter from public places and deposit them into a machine that rewards them with a bit of food. Wow. They're training crows. Wait a minute. They're training crows to pick up cigarette butts? Yes. So the crow gets the uh, you know cigarette butt, deposits mm-hmm. into a thing, yeah. and mm-hmm. then gets rewarded with a little tiny bit of food. Why can't they just go pick up the cigarette butts? Mm-hmm. Well, they're trying to save money and use wild birds for, you know, kind of their free labor <laughs> kind of thing. The crows are like, what are we doing this for? Pick, how about how about this? The crows are like, how about this? Don't throw your cigarette butts out on the side. Yeah. <laughs> how about start with that? Yeah. I don't know. That, that's the 21st uh, century definition of a human pig is somebody that fucking smokes a cigarette and drops the, the butt and steps on it. You know what I also, you know what it is? Disgusting thing. You know another thing that is like that, yeah. that is such a weird thing? People that pick up their dog's poo okay. and put it in a bag. Yes. And then just leave it 
Leave the bag somewhere? Leave the bag. No, I've seen that, too. It, no, it's, I was out with Stan yesterday, first time yeah. in like three weeks. He's going on a nice walk. We're walking around this park. He, I pick up his duty, and I go over mm-hmm. to the garbage can, but I'm the way there. Someone had picked up. You, mm-hmm. You've done mm-hmm. the job of picking mm-hmm. up your dog's poo. You made the little mm-hmm. twirly thing in the bag, and then you just leave it there on the trail. Mm-hmm. That is weird. I agree. It's, it's almost better to just leave the dog poo there if that's mm-hmm. if that's what you're. Well, because do, it would be absorbed by the elements. Yeah, and anyway. the plastic won't be. So mm-hmm. these getting back to the slave labor of the crows, obviously. <laughs> yeah, I can't see how this is really well thought through. There's two things no. that came to mind. As these well. are sweets. Now, now, what? This these are the sweets are doing this. So uh, They uh, would have the the I don't know whatever crow poop. You know, results from, you know, a congregation of crows, if that's what you call them. And then there's also the uh, the noise. Crows are not the quietest and don't have no. the, uh, you know, the, the best bird call yeah. of all the bird calls out there, if you know what I mean. Do you know? It seems like one step too many. They're scavengers. Don't they just like eating cigarette butts anyway? <laughs> like they'll eat yeah, isn't that a, a reward for a crow? Aren't they? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Shouldn't they be happy with the cigarette butts we're feeding them? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dan, by the way, do you know what a group of crows is called? A uh, group of crows. No. I've oh, wait, heard this uh, before. As soon as I say uh, it, you'll go, yeah, yeah, I've heard that. Uh, what is it? Oh, it's mur- murder, right? A murder of crows. Murder of crows. Murder yeah. of crows. Who came up with that? Obviously, some people that don't like crows. Because <laughs> they're like, they're like, I like to fucking murder those crows. And you said, what? Mm-hmm. Yeah, murder crows. Oh, okay. <laughs> So that's a murder, murder of crows. crows. Yeah. Whenever I see, you know, sometimes crows, you can see them, they're huge. And yes. I wonder, how old is that? That's an, like, I find that too. They're too big. They're huge. Damn like, it. If they weren't so filthy, they'd be good eating. Mm. So that's like a, they're of that size. a murder of crows. <laughs> uh, they, why yeah. is that? A why mob? is what? Is it a murder? Yeah, well, where would I'm, that have come from? Well, that's right. Know, I mean, yeah. What is a flock? Oh, oh, by the way, what is a flock of ravens called? A group okay. of ravens is called an unkindness or conspiracy. <laughs> really? A conspiracy of ravens. I'll tell you right now, one of the scariest memories from my childhood, you know, beside Uncle Bill. No, one of my scariest memories was that movie by Alfred Hitchcock. Called the birds. birds. Yeah. yeah, And I remember, you know, now you look at it, you're like, you can, you know, sort of even see the microphone camera, you know. Uh, But uh, (laughs) I was scared shitless by that movie. I found that very horrifying. The leading actress in that movie, do you remember who it was? I don't. Tippi Hendren. Oh, yes, that's right. Of course. (laughs) I don't know why that came to mind. It just did. So um, when I moved here, in 2016, and I was, was doing this joke in my act. I'm, I'm sure you heard me say this, Dan, about how, you know, there's like between Kipling and Park Lawn, there's like 15 rub and tugs. Yeah. And my joke was, I don't, you know, I said, that's a lot of rub and tugs. I, I don't even, I said, you know, like uh, there's a flock of seagulls. Uh, I can't remember a gaggle of this. I said, what's, what's 15 rub and tugs? Then I pause and go, oh, that's like a syphilis of rub and tugs. <laughs> That is when you get that many rub. It's like a syphilis pack of rub and tugs. It's a gonorrhea of rub and tugs. Uh, Dan, here's the thing: Will you come back uh, for the second story? Yeah, sure. After sure. we uh, take a few moments here with this country's, you know, one of our great resources that we have in this country, the uh, retirement Sherpa. 
And do you have a, right. maybe you could do a little tease when Dan comes back uh, to finish the news. His story will concern Coots, Coots, Coots. Yeah, poor Coots, poor Coots. Ah, uh, Coots. No idea what you're talking about, but that'll make it interesting when you come back. Yeah. Right there. What's Coots? What is Coots? No one look it up. Well, the thing is with Howard, we've already talked about it this morning, and he's lost his memory since then. My goodness. Mm -hmm. All right. What are you talking about? Who are you? (laughs) (laughs) That's a good joke. Who are you, Conversation about Coots. Oh, that's funny. All right. Well, listen, we'll have uh, Dan Duran following up about Coots. But first, let's talk to this beautiful human being. For many of us, for a lot of people, he is a beacon. He's a reliable resource. He's an all-around good fella. He is Tim Niblett, the retirement Sherpa. Look at you. Good morning, everybody. I'm going to miss you guys the next couple of weeks. Yeah, well, it'll be a couple of weeks till we have uh, you back on the show in the middle of uh, February. Yeah. And as I told Fred the other day, uh, the iguanas are falling out of trees. His intel was correct. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't believe yeah, well, he we... was the only one reporting that. I think other people noticed that, too. Yeah, a lot of no, people no, no, are afraid no. to go there, but for Fred just waited right in. Mm. Um, you know, um, yeah, you sent me that article, so you weren't aware, but we had talked about it on the show, and it was actually happening. It's a real story. It's uh, weird. They got uh, cold, freezing the iguanas, and fell out of trees. It was nuts. Yeah, it's not uncommon this time of year, I guess. How does it work? It just kind of numbs them or whatever, yeah. and they, they don't yeah. really realize their surroundings, and then they fall down and go boom. Yeah. They, do they Wacky. die? They, they don't die. They just sort of they become inert for a few minutes. Or do they die? I believe they're fine. I think oh, it's just okay. a temporary thing. <laughs> I want to believe that they're fine, Howard. That's okay. the well, because, you know, I'm very emotional when it comes to the animal kingdom, Tim. Yes. <laughs> um, well, listen, fella, uh, we will. We're off next week, but we will be back the following week. And it'll be interesting because I'll be in California. Frederick will be on one side of Florida. Where will you be in a couple of weeks? Still in the uh, compound there? Yeah, still down here. No no uh, plans to go up north anytime soon. I got three appointments, four appointments today on Zoom, right? So mm-hmm. uh, great team up north and, and awesome clients. And so all, all goes just as well, if not probably better when I'm not at the office. Life is good, eh? Well, think about it. We're going to get a... Listen, it's going to be pretty good for you and I because we're going to work in February. Not a lot, but we're going to do our show. We're going to be able to... I'm still going to be in contact with you know clients and we'll still be sending out... You know, we'll send audio to different people. It's up for me. I'm interested to see what it's like when you work remotely for a month, because I'll tell you, Mr. Uh, or is it Niblet? I'll tell you. And Mr. Patterson, I don't I'm looking forward to next winter and doing this for a couple months, mm-hmm. to be honest with you. I, I just see it as this is sort of I said to Rachel, a little bit of a test drive for how. You know, life shows up when you're doing it somewhere else because, and then I'll make this final point. Just as you said, Tim, you have a lot of meetings lined up, but this whole Zoom thing has really opened up, opened the world up for this, you know? 
Yeah, you know, it's for me, it's uh, a little different because it is, of course, nice to physically meet with uh, people. Uh, you guys wouldn't do that as much normally anyhow. So I, I think you'd find it super seamless. I mean, I have as well. And, you know, Fred, it, it's funny. I've thought about this many times, right? Because we're over 10 years down here mm-hmm. uh, now, varying amounts of time. But yeah. Uh, you know, it's all about mindset, man. I mean, you can be in the cold and snow and be having a blast, and you can be in the sun and having all the world's problems on your, mm-hmm. your head, too, sure. right? So mm-hmm. it's um, John Kabat-Zinn, one of my favorite authors. He's about meditation and all. You know, he's got a book called Wherever You Go, There You Are. Sure. And that's what you find, I think, at least, when you when you are for an extended period of time down south. It's just life. It's just life in a different spot. I have a buddy up north. He's got a sea doing on the side of it. It says, attitude is everything. And that says it all. Eh? Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. And, I mean, and again, easy to say that when your nuts aren't freezing off every goddamn day. <laughs> uh, yeah. But, but again, my point being, it'll be interesting for the next few weeks to see what it's like to do your actual job when you're not in, you know, sort of your own space. Let's talk about RRSP time. And I I know you guys send this to me. You know, I haven't contributed to an RRSP for a long time. Apparently my, you know, if I wanted to top it up, I'd have to sell my house. But for for most people, what are your recommendations? And I want to ask the question from this standpoint. Are they more important the younger you are or are, are they just as important now? It, it can be super important at any time, you know, the TFSA versus RRSP part, arguably TFSAs, you want to get populated younger in life because they're going to have longer to grow for free. You're not going to be making as much money, so you're not going to get as much of a tax break as well. You know, um, we like to roll out a Stephen Covey quote every once in a while, so I'll use the begin with the end in mind, right? So what people really need to think about the next few weeks is the ultimate goal is probably retirement income, right? So you, you can't just use a tax refund to guide your actions. It still might be the right thing to do, but what you're really wanting to do is to have in a decade or three, depending on your situation, you want to have uh, enough money, of course, to create your income, your flexibility, your freedom. And you also want it in enough pots, you know, H, you talk about uh, not putting into the RSP, but, you know, you, you have money in non-RSPs, which in in later years will be fantastic, right? TFSAs, mm-hmm. uh, non-registered accounts, they're called. People who have it all in an RSP or all in a pension. That's almost a bad thing because it's going to take a lot of taxes to get it that stuff mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yes yes um and it's funny when i first get into resps or not rsps i just purchased an resp actually um you know the the tax thing you weren't totally aware of it but the problem is not that you weren't aware of it it wasn't as big a consideration because the tax-free savings account didn't exist at the time so it's put a whole, as you say, dimension on on planning now. So anyone that's younger, I mean, they really have to take a, a, a serious look at that as where, where their money is actually going to go for that reason. 
Absolutely. You know, and, and then later as you get into your 40s, 50s, uh, 60s, we'll say you're, you're probably making more money than before. So you're going to get more of a marginal tax break back mm-hmm. and probably take it out at a little lower rate as well. So you don't kind of want to waste it when you're young and only get 25 cents back on the, the mm-hmm. buck. But again, if there's one message that I'd, I'd like to kind of get across is you got to begin with that end in mind. It's not just about mm-hmm. what your tax return is going to say in April. It's what you're going to have a couple of decades from now that truly matters. Okay. Um, I'm not sure. Did we get, I, I was looking at something else. Did we get to 20% off sale on your note? <laughs> what, what is that? I don't know what the hell that no, is. No, we you, we, we got a communication coming out from our clients uh, to our clients from our private client group. Well, it comes to us and we do what we choose with it. But uh, yeah, you know, January statements aren't going to look too good when people check them out this uh, this week. It happens. It's happened before. It'll happen again. The economy actually is still pretty solid overall, and that's ultimately what's uh, much more important. But yeah, some of the best companies in the world, man, they're on 10, 20% off sales uh, right now. Okay. Well, listen, man, uh, always great to talk to you. Uh, I'm I'm excited to talk to you the next time all three of us in different spots. I was telling the Fred man before the show, uh, yesterday was tailor-made Christmas for me because they sponsor my golf podcast. And usually I don't get all the gear till well into the spring, but this year because of supply, they, they got us in early. So I'm actually going to get to play a, a couple weeks from now with the new Stealth Driver carbon i'm part of the carbon club now timmy so i'll let you know how that works out. i saw those on social media they look pretty uh pretty slick there that's for sure yeah i'm very guaranteed very 30 yards farther oh yeah well i'll tell I you what. 170 with those, I, <laughs> I was think. gonna that's say no, i didn't want to do that i didn't want to do that joke for timmy uh, but if i uh, listen they're great golf clubs but <laughs> if they if they gave me an extra 30 yards i might actually take a crack at the senior tour um <laughs> listen my friend uh, tim.niblet at raymondjames.ca if you're not part of the uh retirement sherpa solution what are you doing with your money uh all the best travel safely and well and uh, we'll see you soon thanks timmy yeah, pleasure as always enjoy your breaks there guys well deserved for sure thank loving you my you. friend loving you all right all right timmy take care um you've got a couple uh, i think you've got one left to do uh I I, would that be oh maybe you don't did you, did you do three already uh no well then you, two well then you've got chamber plan <laughs> i've that? done chamber plan and what about that you've done oh, oh no then you need to do uh i've did big sky so yeah do uh sherpa's done then do a uh, health gauge oh okay and then we'll me... wait for uh, dan duran to come back here oh here he is mm-hmm. and I'm, i want to talk about something that you just said because i've been thinking about it lately what's that i'll tell you in a second Okay, I'm just uh, thrown yeah, just for a bit relax, of a loop here, Howard. Just rel- it's fine. you got all the time yeah. in the world. Dan Duran's putting his headphones on. Mm-hmm. He's getting his... Hey, Dan Duran. Hey, I'm back. Uh, so we're going to talk about Coots. That's where the big standoff is. I was looking... Yeah. It's interesting because, you know, I don't know if you know that we're both from the prairies, but we are. I know you sometimes forget a lot of the... Uh, <laughs> a lot of... Mm. A lot of the details of our childhood, but I noticed that yeah. uh, Coots is a little bit south of where your family's farm is, Milk River. Yeah, the ranch is, uh, a, you know, five clicks or, f- or so away from the border. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Um, you know, it's interesting because Moose Jaw, 
Well, a third of Saskatchewan. And the population is within a couple hours of the border. But, you know, Moose Jaw is only a couple hours from, I guess, whatever state that is. Is that North Dakota? I can't tell. One of the it's Dakotas. Mon- well, it's actually Montana. Um, oh, is it really? Yeah. Yeah, because Montana is directly south of, uh, of Alberta. And right? it straddles Saskatchewan, part of Saskatchewan, too. And then North Dakota yeah. comes in on the east side. But Yeah. Yeah, there's a bunch of those towns I remember, you know, Tabor, Alberta, and Lethbridge, and Shaunavon, Saskatchewan, and all these places of all our town. All those places, all yeah. Maple Creek. Mm-hmm. Swift it's Creek. very interesting country right there, by the way. It's uh, yeah. like the uh, Coots Sweet, uh, the, there's Coots, there's a uh, Coots Sweetgrass Crossing, because Sweetgrass is the name of the American town yeah. coming in. And then there's the Sweetgrass Hills, which are right there. My uncle's land, which was where my grandfather had it before him, uh, is uh, there's a section called the, the school section. And uh, at the top of that, there's it's one of the highest points uh, around that area. So they triangulated the border before they had, you know, technology and satellites and stuff. So when they wanted to figure out what the border was, there was a point on um, top of one of uh, Jim's land that they triangulated with the Sweetgrass Hills and another really high point along that border. Area. Hmm. So you can see right into Montana from from his land. That's cool, man. Yeah. Now I don't. I, I brought this up on the show before, and I don't know if it if it was the same for Milk River and Coots, but Lethbridge is the suicide capital of Canada, um, because of the way the Chinook winds uh, impact that area. It's very windy. Is that very also, windy? Very few trees. Very few trees. Is that also true? And I'm not being facetious. That it does that also extend south to? I would imagine, but. Yeah, because the whole area is it's windy. It's uh, windy and it's weird. The weather's always very difficult. There. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. you might want to move before killing yourself. But yeah, it's but nice. I mean, I, uh, then again, you know, it doesn't <laughs> seem well. Well, you've all, what? you know, what great thing about you is you've always got the solutions. <laughs> I mean, meanwhile, no yeah. one, you know, no one wants to talk about what if your carry on is the leg you just got chopped up. Anyway, <laughs> uh, Fred, do you want to tell us about the chamber plan before Dan Duran finishes the news? No, I'm going to tell you about health gauge. I mean, health yeah. gauge. Hey, when it comes to keeping track of your health, many of us are using wearable devices or special apps to monitor our well-being. Not all of them are created the same health gauge, a monitoring system uh, that hopes to make overburdened healthcare systems more efficient and cost-effective. Yes, health gauge. Healthgauge.com is where to go. You can get a discount. Humble Fred HG, $15 off at checkout. Okay. Health Gauge, composed of three main things, devices, software, and cloud computing. Take some time today. Go to healthgauge.com and find out how this wonderful little piece of equipment can improve your health. Excellent. And now, continuing to look at the news. Right. Here's Dan Here's this update. Uh, citizens of Ottawa are getting tired of the freedom, fucker, uh, freedom truckers uh, still hanging out. See, I see what there. you did there, yeah. <laughs> yeah very well done. Mm, my very part. fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, the, the truckers, are, the whole thing is still happening in Ottawa. Even the, the price tag of policing it is like $800,000 a day. And it's and everybody's getting tired of it. There's really not facilities for a lot of the you know people who are defecating in the in the alleyways and all that. In other places in Canada, there's a border crossing, Emerson, Manitoba. They are slowing traffic near that border, and uh, so that's not as severe as it is in Coots, Alberta, where they've blocked the border crossing there. Now, Coots, Alberta. 
has about 250 people in it, fewer people than uh, Milk River, which mm. is just like 10 clicks north of there. Hang out in in uh, in Coots and the uh, that it, it, both ways. That's where the border is being blocked, and that's like the major artery that gets into the states from from uh, that area of Western Canada. So it's uh, backed up. There's uh, I heard there was about a hundred truckers that are kind of doing it in that area there, but not all truckers are of course in on this, and there are trucks that are being blocked and got trapped. In fact, they think they've sort of maneuvered about a hundred trucks out of that zone. So that they could continue on their their way with the wares, like, you know, uh, fruits and vegetables that are coming up from the south and that kind of thing. So there's still uh, seems to be a conflict there. They've raised barriers. Uh, Some other truckers that uh, did leave were replaced by new truckers that Mm -hmm. are against the whole thing. And apparently there was a bit of in the standoff. There was a. Uh, in the blockade, somebody breached their line, the pre- uh, the barrier, yes. and the Mounties were attacked. And mm-hmm. uh, somebody would throw a vehicle at somebody, and a civilian vehicle mm-hmm. got got damaged. It's just it, bizarre yeah. to me. Well, th- this is the thing um, about the logic of the situation. So we, the truckers, have a problem with these mandates. So what we're going to do is block other truckers from making a living. Like, I, like, where's the logic in any of this? Because it's not holiday, people. It's not like vacationers going back and forth across the border there. It's truckers trying to make a living. So their fellow truckers who aren't vaccinated are fucking those guys over. Where is the logic in any of this? Like it I, makes no sense to me. Except, I guess the part of the logic would be, uh, from their point of view, is that we are creating a crisis of some sort that must be addressed by right. the authorities, and everybody's behind us, so they'll appreciate what you know we're doing. Yeah. Which, well, and, you know, and the thing is, uh, some people are behind it, but the people that mm. a lot of people are behind it, sort of as a, a show of support, as I sort of as I said earlier, but they're not behind this. They're not behind what you just described because they're not really thinking about it in that way. They're not thinking about what they're supporting are truckers getting in the way of other truckers who did get vaccinated, who who, who are being responsible in their effort Mm -hmm. to attract attention. You know, and they're pooping all over Ottawa and they're yelling at people in masks. And and it's a tough one because I look at it. And, of course, the first thing that comes to my mind is, you know, call in the army. Say to these guys, okay, you got 10 minutes to move your truck. If not, get in the truck, leave the keys in it, and you're coming with us. You're under arrest. Yeah. And then get people to start moving the trucks out at some point. But I know this is Canada. We don't want confrontation. We don't want, you know, fi- we forget bullets flying. We don't even want fists flying. And I get all that. But, you know. Well, it could get uh, with this specific crazy. group. This specific group has attacked, uh, attracted a, a lot of you know people on the edge. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I would imagine. Well, that's that it. It's a yeah. tinderbox. You just start start tinderbox. something, and then all of a sudden mm-hmm. it could get it could that's go actually really what, badly. That was the original name for that dating app, Tinderbox. But they, you know, off by. <laughs> they said, well, "Should we call it Tinderbox?" No, no, that's too. <laughs> Dan, you started off by saying freedom fuckers. Yeah. Back in 1987, when I got my vasectomy, I just, oh, yeah. anybody that would listen, I would say, hey, yeah, now I'm a freedom fucker. Yeah. And Delise called me over one day and said, would you stop saying that, please? 
and it ended. <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't know. It, it, it may have ended for her, but I heard. I met you two years later, and you were still telling me I'm a freedom fucker. <laughs> I'm like, I just met you. Why are you yelling at me? <laughs> I'm a freedom fucker. <laughs> uh, why about that? <laughs> anyway, yeah, I'm just looking here while you guys were talking at all those. Saskatchewan, Alberta towns, and most of us here in Ontario are n- never heard of. Never heard of. Um, but, I'm yeah. going to be out west, actually. This summer, I'm going to be in Alberta for and Saskatchewan for a couple weeks at the end of August, September. I'm going out there for a golf tournament. I'll, I know I'm going there already, and, and I'm going to... It'll be the longest I've spent in, um, in western Canada for a while. I'm going to be out for a couple weeks. Where are you going to go? Well, Rachel's never been to Moose Jaw, so I'm going to take her on the uh, Moose Jaw tour. We're going to rent a car and then drive across from uh, Moose Jaw to Edmonton Mm -hmm. up north. And then we're going to visit those glass people. And then we're going to go to Calgary and visit my other glass people. And then I'm going to spend a a few days in Red Deer. Red Deer. Red Deer. That's where the golf tournament is. And uh, it's it's interesting because, you know, Red Deer for a long time back in the uh, 80s was sort of the hotbed of the white supremacist movement. In Canada, I don't know if you remember that, but no. you, but they have a sign as you drive into Red Deer. It says "Welcome Jews." Nah, just kidding. Anyway, uh, <laughs> but uh, so, <laughs> so when you're out there, you will not be joining the Maverick Party. No, I will not. No, <laughs> no, they don't want me, even though I'm a Western Canadian. I'm a By the way, um, switching gears, Dan, because you're a newsman, and Fred, of course, you love the news. When Again, this is about the uh, what's going on there in the Ukraine with Russia and the Ukraine and how weird it is that there's all these right-wing guys in the States taking the Russian side. Forget that for a second. <laughs> what, um, didn't we always call that city Kiev? Kiev, you, am I wrong? Yes. Yeah. Because but, now, yeah, they, now they call mm-hmm. it Kiev. Yes. And I said to Rachel, I said, did I miss the time when they said, oh, by the way, everyone, we're going to start calling it something different? Uh-huh. Well, I well, guess we're trying to... Is that the way they pronounce it in Kiev? I can't remember. But that's the thing. It must, it must be, right? Because we, we maybe have mispronounced it all this time. Yeah, I, I, did we mispronounce it, or was, it they, was that a change on the field? Uh, no, I just think it, it all depends. Like, you guys probably call it Paris. I call it Paris. See? <laughs> so it all depends on how you deliver <laughs> Yeah, you're right. Yeah. You're so yeah. Well, no, I get it. It's hard for us to relate to you, Mr. Continental. Yeah, <laughs> I think how I honestly over the past couple of days I've heard it both ways. I think it, you know, maybe by the book it's Kiev, and then the North American translation or whatever it becomes Kiev. Uh, I don't know, but that uh, I've noticed that over the past couple of days too. It's like Kiev. Where'd that come from? All of a sudden but we're I calling it Kiev. Kiev. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Um, Anyway, there's reminding me there's a character on this show I've been recommending called the Righteous Gemstones, and one of the characters' names on the show is Keith, not Keith, Keith, and it's Keith's one of the funniest characters on the show. <laughs> hey, um, Fred, um, you said something. You said something a minute ago to Tim. Yes, and you've been saying it pretty much since I've known you. I mean, almost as long as Freedom Fucker. Yeah, you've been. <laughs> I mean, I guess this would freedom fucker might predate mm-hmm. what you has said to Tim, and you've it's kind of been your signature sign off, loving you. You know, everyone who is when people do an impression of you, yes. it's always loving you. Yes, and I've always thought that was a very sweet thing uh-huh. that you do. 
And uh, if you think I'm going to do a bit about how, you know, and I, about, this is what I'm about to say, I actually feel. Because you've been saying that. I've been, I've been thinking lately, we're about to say goodbye. The three of us aren't going to see each other in person for a while. Mm-hmm. Do you think that as we get older, we should, we should say, I love you to people we love when we say goodbye to them? The reason being, you never know, especially at our age. It is well within statistical probability, not, you know, I'm not probable. It's well within a statistical modeling that one of us might say so long to the other two. And that might be the last time we speak. And then we would remember the last thing that that person said to us before they left. I would think that I would like to tell, you know, should I say, well, Dan, uh, see you in a month. I love you because you you've got it covered with loving you because you can do, and it's sort of it's not really I love you but it's kind of in it's implied in there. Okay. Because mm-hmm. we don't I don't have a signature salutation. You sign, know. sign off. Sign off. You you do. Yeah. And I think yeah. if I said loving you, there is this sort of you know that's like Freddie yeah. Peace thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, see, I have two, and they're just direct. I also have sucking on it, right? <laughs> <laughs> That all depends yeah. on the situation. Well, I've got it's a like, couple of those. I mean, everyone, yeah. go fuck like, yourself. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'd be happy with that. Sucking, you know, the last thing Fred said to me was sucking, sucking on it. it. Yeah. And that makes sense to me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, my last. No, I don't want you to say Howard. No, no, no. My, my last. You, you could say my last thing Howard said to me is what was that, what was that guy talking about? <laughs> yeah. You know, you know, Howie. Um, yeah. This is more age reflection. You know, you do whatever makes you feel good. Well, I want to you... have a pact. Well, well like a... Well, you want to, like, just do a sign-off right now and just refer to that at all times so you have to go through it? Is that what you're saying? I don't know what, what I'm you, saying. What do you mean by a pact? No, I want to have a no. pact that if we, we, from now on, we should say, I love you. Oh, as I see we're you saying. want to think. Listen, when oh. I, left, I left my daughter... Yesterday, mm-hmm. and because I won't be seeing them today for their birthday, uh, and I of course hugged Fancy. I said, "I love you very much," and uh, you know, proud and all those things. But I said, "I love you," and I, you know, I of course love you too. But uh, I don't, you know, I mean, I could say loving you, but it doesn't really loving you, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> loving you, loving you, uh, yeah, sucking it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't. It, it's uh, yeah. That's an interesting concept. Yeah, I, I, you know, m- my family. Honest, we aren't a big I l- love you family. Um, like Delise and I rarely say that. I'll go. I love you the odd time, but I know there are couples like every time they talk, it's I love you. It's like great. Um, if that works for you, that's super. Yeah. Um, what about you, Dan? Do you uh, tell Colton you love mm-hmm. him? Yeah. Yeah. Well, of course, yeah, here, here, and there, but I don't do it as I leave. No. Uh, but you probably are German. Now I'm thinking about it. Yeah. When I do today, I'll just yeah. hop into the room and say, "Love you." Yeah. As I head into Toronto to do whatever I'm doing. But, but I mean, it's different for you. You're Germanic, so you only say "I love you" on like the, you know Führer's holidays and things like that. You know. <laughs> <laughs> on you know on Adolf Hit on Adolf days, Hitler. Important yeah. yeah. Um, on important days like Adolf Hitler's birthday. Yeah. Um, I find, like last night, I went over to see the kids and my daughter, and then I know I'm going away for a while, so I said, okay, see you, darling, love you. Um, 
and then Danny being in California, I say it. Damn, there, I seem to have some when it's a situation like that where there's going to be some non-normal separation. It tends to be said, but day-to-day moment, you know, not. Uh, well, I, I think I, I again, I brought it up because I thought you'd you know enjoy this conversation, and I started thinking mm, about yeah. that as as we get older. You never know. When yeah, that might yeah, be the last time you speak to somebody, so it better you better leave every situation. Every situation should be just so you know. Listen, I'm going out yeah, for a yeah. coffee. <laughs> no, I I'm going die, out so to starve. I could be dying. I could yeah. die. Just know I love you. You're just going across the street. I know, but I'm going across. But be also be aware, Howard, and you know this. Yes. Your actions speak volumes. And that love that you have between you and your family or GFR or Dan and Colton, me and my family, it goes without saying that you love them. Um, Number one, if you die, it's like you're not going to be anywhere going, I should have said I loved you. And I, whoever you leave behind, I'm sure isn't going, oh, I wish they'd have said I I love you at the end. They know they... They know so is that the same? Them. Is that the same with your signature phrase? Sucking on it. That's just implied. All my family. Oh, well, that's, that's just wishful thinking. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, he said sucking on it, but he never came through. He never came through. How many times did I say? Is it time for sucking on a time? <laughs> Anyhow, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I've heard the uh, trucker thing. Dan called it the. Uh, what'd you call it? The. What? The trucker the convoy, you called it the fuckers or whatever? The freedom fuckers. Freedom fuckers, I heard that. Yeah. I heard the Karen convoy. Heard one this morning I like called the Omicron boy. <laughs> Omicron boy, I like that. <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good one, yeah. Omicron yeah. boy. Uh, I don't think we... Uh, we still didn't talk about... Like, yesterday's show ended, and I had asked Freddie, was it official now about Brady? And it wasn't official until he went on Instagram. And he mm-hmm. said something about how he didn't have the competitive interest anymore. And he is, and with mm-hmm. the part that I wanted to talk about is he said, and I realized, well, I want to concentrate on other things. I'm like, well, you can't do both. You can't play football. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you can't multitask. <laughs> What's your problem? <laughs> that's right. That's what I thought. What other things are you going to concentrate on now? But, you know, there. I somebody said uh, one of his options may be broadcasting. Uh, tell me something. If Tony Romo is making $18 million a year to be an analyst on CBS, what would Tom Brady command? You know, you know. I know Romo's good. He's got a good personality. He's got a good rap on, on him and everything. I don't know if Brady would, although he's pretty well spoken. But what would he be worth? What would that bidding war create? <laughs> um, I don't know. That's a great question. Like, what? What is the? What's the end of that? What could it be? Could it be twice that a year to have a guy do? <laughs> I don't know. Is it worth it? Uh, yeah. Is and it what worth about it? In the NCAA's politics are a little bit uh, trumping, aren't they? So wouldn't that be a little bit limiting in, in bringing him on? Or yeah, he be? seemed to serve. Um, he seemed, yeah, well, you kind of froze I, there. Yeah, he seemed question, to do what? How that would. No, he seemed to survive. Oh, I the see. There, yeah. yeah. Alignment. It didn't get that passionate. He, you remember, all Brady said is, what, I've golfed with him before, and he seems to be an all right guy. He's always been good with me. I mean, that was sort of the extent of it. Same with Tiger. Tiger was it like, wasn't yeah. Bobby Hull ta- or, yeah. It wasn't Bobby Hull. Ta- it wasn't Bobby Orr taking out a full fucking page ad asking people to vote for him. And same with Jack Nicholas. I mean, 
Tiger had said, mm-hmm. you know, I'd golf with the guy, and like he had with you know uh, other presidents. But yeah, Jack Nicholas, who just turned eighty a couple of weeks ago, I think he, uh, I think his legacy is going to be stained more by it as well. Anytime I see him post something, there's always a few people in there going, "Yeah, what about you sucking off Trump?" You know. Anyway, <laughs> well, thank you very much to uh, Paul Rosen to Tim Niblet. And thank you, folks, for hanging out with us. Tomorrow is our last program from Toronto until the week of May, uh, March 7th. Uh, next time uh, after tomorrow, we'll be coming to you from our, uh, our American road trips. Mm-hmm. Oh, just before we go, Dan, has the groundhog seen its shadow yet? Oh, or yeah, do you sorry, know you're the news yeah. guy? Yeah. Yeah. He did? Most of, most of them have seen their shadow, yeah. Well, why? It's not even sunny out. How can that be? But that's bad, isn't it? If you see your shadow, six, it's six, six, more, more, six more weeks. Six winter, weeks yeah. of dismal bullshit. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, the lobster and the, you know, whatever, whatever yeah. they have out of Schenectady. What about Sam. what about your wiener? Did it see its shadow? See? <laughs> <laughs> see? Dan's groundhog. Yeah. That's when Dan Keeping takes your that. mind sharp. It's great. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's, that's right. <laughs> It's like it's like a dick Sudoku every day. Sudico. That's what I use do. it or lose it, as they say. Right? It's a Sudico. All right, Dan. Loving, loving you. you. Sucking on it. Sucking on. I love you. This episode of Humble and Fred was brought to you by Gig Sky, the Retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan, Bodog, Health Gauge, Cabana, Doer, and our newest sponsor, GoDaddy. Powering small business and entrepreneurs for over 25 years and servicing over 20 million customers worldwide. For Humble and Fred, I'm Dan Duran. I saw my shadow six more weeks of winter, and I love you. Love you, Dan.